This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And welcome to our podcast. It's Bustin' Balls. I'm Pat Caputo along with Evan Jenkins, the webmaster. And, uh, Evan, uh, we do this every uh, week, at least once a week. We'll be doing it a couple times a week as time goes on. Don't forget to subscribe at the Google Play Store or uh, iTunes or through odyssey.com, wherever you get your podcast, anywhere. Ooh, also Spotify. That is new. So go if you are on Spotify, you can get us there, too. Spotify as well. And, uh, you know, it's about drafts, prospects, and the future. Uh, we look at all the farm systems, minor league systems, minor league teams, where teams are going in the future uh, around the league, you know, primarily in Detroit, Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, and Pistons. And, uh, Evan, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of question all of a sudden about the Tigers in their minor league system. Uh, Tigers are off to a horrific start. I mean, they're just terrible. I mean, they're kicking balls away. Uh, I wrote in, I read a column for the 971 The Ticket website. You can find that, 971 The Ticket Twitter page, and my Twitter page, Pacaputo98, and the king of the KC. Evan always retweets it. But I wrote about it that their outfield is like a, a musical group called The Three Statues, <laughs> and their hit song is called, entitled Oh My Bad. And it's just, you know, they've just been terrible, and their hitting has been pathetic. And even though they've gotten pretty good pitching, and the defense has been better lately, and the signings that they've had, Meadows and Baez, haven't been totally awful. Tucker Barnhart behind the plate has been terrible. Eduardo Rodriguez is dealing. Mm -hmm. I mean, my gosh, how can you pitch any better than he did the other day against Houston? The team has totally stunk. And why? It's all the players that uh, were really good last year. Uh, that you know led them through a, a long stretch after a nine and twenty four start where they won all of a sudden stink. Uh, Eric Haas awful offensively and defensively. I don't know what happened. I mean, he had twenty some home runs, and now uh, especially in that rundown, I mentioned Barnhart. They got him to you know be a Gold Glove catcher, which he's been. Pitch framing's been bad. He can't throw anybody out. He's hit pretty well. Had a couple hits here uh, in the doubleheader against Oakland, but holy heck. Uh, Akil Badu is already back in Toledo. That was, I mean, it looked like two different players. It looked like uh, Akil Badu was pretty good last year. And then this year, Evan, they put you out there. It's you know, wild. and it was offensively and defensively. He, he had to play center field because of the Riley Green thing. Uh, I hate to say I told you so, but on Spencer Torkelson, to a degree, I told you so. But I have to be honest with you, I didn't think it would be this bad. But, I mean, it's exactly what you said from the time that we started doing this podcast, Pat, that he was having problems with the fastball, right? Right. And that is what he is really, really struggling with. How much longer 
<clears throat> I guess maybe I'll phrase this question in a different way. Is there any way they sent him back down to AAA? Maybe. But it, I, yeah, the thing is, Evan, I don't know what he would learn there. And, that, and that's the question, too, because also, then who do you put it first, right? That's the other question. And by the way, this thing with Harold Castro at first and Willie Castro in center field, you know, I mean, first of all, and it's nothing against hitting Harold, all right, but I've seen enough of the Castros, all right? Haven't you? I personally have, but then you watch TV today and they're talking about how Willie Castro should be out there in center field and plays it way better than left. And I'm like, man, if this is what we have in our outfield right now, we have big, big problems. Look, I got a lot of respect, you know, for the Bally Sports and, and their team there. So I don't mean to say anything, but they accent the positive, like sometimes when there's nothing there Absolutely. and whatever the party line is. But I'll go out on record as saying, hey, Willie Castro, uh, if he's your center fielder, and I don't care if the guy that you thought was going to play there, you're in trouble. And you got to figure out something better than that. And I know Derek Hill can't play every day, and he's injury prone and may not be that good a hitter. But Harold Castro in center field, or Willie Castro, or Harold in center field, you know, that's not acceptable. And Harold Castro at first base, and. You know, I get it, Hero Castro, if it's uh, the eighth inning and you need somebody to slap a single to get a guy home from second or something, he's a good guy to have up. But he's a nice utility player. If, But if you really look at the metrics, if you're really honest about it, he's not. So, you know, I mean, there's a couple things. But I can't explain Badu. I mean, he came on. He had an extended period where he was good. He hit a home run off a 97-mile-an-hour fastball opening week. So did Haas. Yeah. And, in the first game. Uh, right. So uh, I can't explain that. I, and I said last year, and I was totally wrong, it appears that Eric Haas is a major league player. I don't know what Cleveland was thinking, but he's athletic. He's got genuine power. He hit for power in the minor leagues. And he just hasn't gotten it done And uh, so far. And you say, well, you know, it's, oh, it's short into the season and Sparky's 40-game mark. First of all, man, you can take Sparky's 40-game mark and stick it where the sun doesn't shine. I'm so tired of hearing about Sparky's 40-game mark. You and me both. You know, and uh, because well, consider this. The last 10 years, he was a manager. I was a beat writer. So I heard, you know, I knew what the 40-game mark was. Complete and total BS because he'd get the 40 games, and then he'd say, wait, well, yeah, 40 games, but you really got to wait till the All-Star break. And then when you get to the All-Star break and you ask him, and he'd go, well, that's why they play 162, Patrick. So I learned right away, man, when these people would come in and ask him about that, what he was going to say. It was a complete and total deflection. You know, it was like the dudes who uh, are sitting there suntanning themselves when those little deflection mirrors. Yeah. So that is total BS. Uh, they played lousy. They've got to – if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're still going to have a lousy season. Yeah. Considering their expectations. And I don't, do I have a big answer for it? I don't know why Jamer Candelario wasn't better this year. I don't know. You know, at some point, Jonathan Scope's going to get some hits. Austin Meadows, you feel pretty good if you're a Tiger fan, if he's up there, right? Yeah. But he hasn't had a home run. He had 27 and 33. You know, Baez has been terrific in the field. That's been good. Rodriguez, they're going to get what they paid for, for those two guys. Barnhart, I don't know. He has to tighten it up defensively. And uh, lately, he's been a little bit better. I don't know. But you're last in pitch framing? Or second to last, that's what he's been. When that was his that was why they suit. got him. Yeah. But so you know, I mean, you know, and that pop up, 
and oh, you know that rundown. Tyler Alexander and I mean Haas threw what two balls out into center field today. You know, trying to throw out runners. But I guess the main question is Pat, because I mean I get the calls every day. All the attention is back on Alavila. Oh, absolutely. Alavila has not done with the Detroit Tigers since he took over in 2015. Now, coming into the year, I thought people were starting to give the guy a chance, right? Oh, yeah. And now, and even like when Vegas came out, I think the over-under was 75 or 77. 80. 80. What? Okay, and people, what are they thinking? At least on Playgun Lake. Uh, if they're going to be way better than that, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Vegas is usually never wrong, but... So what is in the Tigers' pipeline? Like, is there anything right now that they could bring up from Toledo to help their ball club? Because the call that I get is Cody Clemens. Oh, he yeah. all of a sudden is going to solve the Tigers' problem. No, he's not. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, – he may be another option. Okay. But where do you play him? Right. He, he's an outfielder, right? No, or he's a, he second a second baseman. baseman. So, All right, so you've got a second baseman who's a 20-career war player who is a good hitter, who's going to hit, all right? But, I mean, my gosh, he, he's been brutal. I mean, just brutal at the plate. He's a better fielder than Cody Clemens is. You're talking about Scope. Okay. Scope, okay? Where are you going to put him there, or are you just going to say, oh, no more Jonathan Scope, we're, we're just giving up. Uh, there's a $7.5 million we spent that seemed like such a bargain. And, uh, you know, I go over to the toilet and just throw it down there, take it. He's the, the, the one holder they got up in the press box, just throw it down there. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, then you go over to uh, Can- Candelario, who's been their player of the year the last two years, a 3-7 war player last year, among the leaders in doubles and, you know, pretty good defensively. He's been, you know, he's starting to hit over 200 down. That makes him a brilliant hitter by the Tigers' standards. Wow. But what do you do? You say, well, we're going to put Cody Clements, who's actually a second baseman over there, and we're going to put him at third, and uh, he, you know, and, and, and you say we're, we're just going to take whatever, it was six whatever they're paying Candelario because he won uh, his arbitration case or settled before, and just throw that and go up to the same one holder up in the press box there right behind where Dan Dickerson makes the, the calls the games and throw it in there. Flush that down the toilet, and then put Cody. Can say, well, you can put him in the outfield. You know where are you going to put him? I mean, is is he going to hit better than Grossman and hit better than Meadows? Is he better defensively than those guys? And don't even begin to th- even think about putting him in center field. Although, my gosh, they put well, Willie, Willie Castro, Castro out, there. out there. But at least Willie Castro is like real fast. Cody Clements has got some power. He's an older prospect. I'd like to see him in the major leagues myself to see what he can do. But if you look at his track record, he has hardly been a great minor leaguer. And he got off to a pretty good start here. But it's not like, you know, something where you're saying that this guy's going to come up. He's a, he's a, he's a, a fringe prospect. Right. That's what he is. He's got a chance. Those guys, it's like one of those, I call them 25 percenters. You know, there's like a 25% chance he's a hard worker. He's got a baseball pedigree, all that mm-hmm. stuff. He was pretty good at Texas. He started to hit with power, you know, that he could make it. And, uh, you know, at uh, second base, he's not bad. You know, it's not like he's some butcher with the glove. Uh, but he's no Lou Whitaker either, all right? So, uh, you know, what do you do? You know, give him a chance, but where? Where and when? All right? right. Uh, are you in a position right now where you say, well, we're just totally going into rebuild? No, you don't do that. 
I mean, you know, baseball tanking for the draft pick is stupid too. Yeah, I mean that that just you know is, is utterly foolish. And, you know, the stupidest thing they came up with in that uh, whole thing that uh, with the lockout and everything was the idea of a baseball uh, lottery. Yeah, you know, it's like baseball, like being like five hundred years behind the times, like they usually are. Well, and like Spencer Torkelson is a prime example of why you can't. I mean, just oh, that, settle that one one is going to be a great player. The knock, the knocks I hear on now, it's uh, in their validity. You know, I can understand the validity of it. Uh, they traded away Verlander and got nothing in return. You know, basically, I mean, Daz Cameron's a fringe prospect at this point. Sure, Franklin Perez can't keep his arm. Uh, he's not. He's, he's he, you know that arm injury, but he was their number one prospect immediately. He got hurt with a yeah. an injury that you don't really recover from. You know, if he recovers, it'll be like five years down the road. You know, uh, you know sometimes you see some stuff like that with arms, but the idea he's going to ever be a top starter, which that's why they acquired him, is gone. Yeah, and Jake Rogers is a fringe prospect too you know a backup catcher 4a guy yeah pretty much so he can't hit that well and his pitch framing wasn't that good he can throw but you know he's got a great mustache if he keeps it (laughs) yeah the mustache is solid so that that's what they got you know from it so people are upset it was jv and he goes out there and you know strikes out 300 a year wins the world series kate upton's jumping in his lap and the people weren't saying kate upton was making jv pitch lousy anymore in houston I know. Remember that? That was pretty funny. Oh, I definitely remember that. But, I mean, and then they talk about what they got in return for J.D. Martinez and Justin. Well, the J.D. Martinez trade, I didn't like at the time. Yeah. Uh, Because I called – I have some friends that uh, watch the Arizona Fall League closely and know Arizona system well, and uh, a couple. And they told me DeWalt Lugo was just a guy. I mean, he was, you know – 4A guy and uh, nothing special. And uh, Alcantara, he could field. Yeah. But he's a little guy. Hitting is an issue. And, you know, Josh King is still in their system, but, you know, he hasn't taken off the 18-year-old. And he waited. It was 13 days before the trade that he made the deal. Yeah. Pulled it too soon. But Martinez had just gotten hurt. And he wasn't having a good year at the time. If you look, his war that year was only like 1-8 with the Tigers. And then he took off right after that. So, you know, I mean, they, but they, you know, it was a bad trade. Uh, the Cubs trade, they flipped Paredes to Meadows, and they got Cand- Candelario, who's been a, you know, a, like I said, a 3-7 war player last year. And those were probably the least out of their players that they traded because that was, what, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila. Alex Avila, yeah. That so that, that trade, you know, that one's turned out a little better. So, I mean, it's justified. But on the other hand, Al inherited an impossible situation. So you tell me, Evan, you tell me, all right, because, you know, I feel that Al Avila came into a situation that he had no chance at the beginning and had to play his cards a certain way because that's what ownership wanted because they had a little speck of window of opportunity there. So they went out and spent some money foolishly. He inherited Miggy's contract. Remember they had V-Mart in there and stuff? Well, and what's crazy, too, it and, and they signed Zimmerman and, you know. You've been around baseball a long time, and, I mean, I've been around it quite a bit since working here, and I've never seen anything like it to where they allowed Dave Dombrowski to make trades and then fire him, like, a day later, which was wild to me that they would allow that to happen and then get rid of him. But actually, you know, Dave got Fulmer. 
Sure. Who's yep. rookie of the year? He that got was, uh, Cespedes, right? Right. And you got my, uh, uh, Matthew Boyd. Yep. Who was pretty good. Daniel Norris at the time, too. With the yeah, David he didn't Price quite make trade. it. He was a guy. So I don't know if they were bad trades. They had I'm to not go. Saying they were bad. Well, they had to go into sellout, sell off yeah. mode. You know. Yeah. Everybody. You know, everybody from that. They traded Cespedes, all that. Price. But but, but you know it, it kind of came to the point. They waited too long. Yeah. Because they almost got in the playoffs uh, that one year and lost to Atlanta. And that was what, 16? 16, Julio Terrain, you know. And then Miggy started, you know, folding after that. He, he wasn't the same player. And they were stuck with that. And, uh, you know, by the time, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, hey. You, and, and here's the thing. Here's the truth about the Tigers. And, I, you know, you really want to know. You know, analytics is – huge in the game. It's huge in the game because it works. Yeah. So all the people out there say, oh, you can take war and stick it where you, you know, all those things. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you, it's not about war. I mean, that's a, a media, baseball reference, fan graphs, uh, you know, measure. Pretty much the same. Pitching's different between the two. But it's in each analytic department does things. And the Tigers, when Dave Dombrowski got fired, all right, they had an analytics department of one guy. Well, yeah, it was. And it, and it was and it was like not his job. I mean, he had other duties. His name was Mike Smith. Now, Mike knew what was going on with it. And uh the matter of fact, uh, Dan Dickerson and I, I remember talking to him in that little uh media area and uh you know, we were talking about the the Doppler technology and the, all this stuff with you know that you see on Statcast and Baseball mm-hmm. Savant uh, that I talk about. He was talking about it back then. He said this is what's coming. That's where I first heard about it, just in a casual conversation. He knew his stuff. Now he's no longer with the organization. And all that I don't know what Mike's doing now, but that was it. Uh, Dave Dombrowski uh, wasn't a big Moneyball fan. I know that. You know, for a fact. I mean, you know, the one column he complimented me on was when I wrote about how Moneyball, you know, was total BS. He goes, oh, that's pretty good. He was a <laughs> scouts guy. All right? He likes scouts. He came up as a scout, you know, and uh, he was a scout. And so was Al. And and for Dave Dombrowski's defense, that worked for him. It and did. for a, everywhere it, he went. Right. And, and, and for the defense of Mike Illich, you know, the late Mike Illich, Mike Hillis is trying to turn over every stone to win. He did not want to have any stone do it. But there was a cost for that. Mm-hmm. And the cost for it is, okay, you're at ground zero. What do you do now? And it was terrible. All right? They, they had drafted poorly. They had not ha- drafted analytically. They were drafting college guys from Vanderbilt who never made. You should see their drafts. Know. You know, they were terrible. And uh, Al, it took him, you know, Al was like, well, we're going to bring up Caesar and all this other stuff. It took a while. Hell, I think and, Derek Hill's a Dabrowski draft pick. Yeah, so is, you know, so is Bo Burrows, all those yeah. guys. But, man, you look at later, they just they just didn't get guys. Right. And uh, they traded whoever was good. So that that's part of the problem. And it's taken, but the one thing I would tell you about this right now is that the Tigers are no longer behind like that anymore. They have a real good analytics department. Uh, Their major league staff is far more in tune with what the game is now and what you need to do to win. What they did in the offseason made far more sense than some of the crap that they did in the past 
where they were trying to throw money at it and try to buy a championship sure. after a certain point. And their farm system, you know, it's still far better than what it was before. And because Spencer Torkelson isn't hitting and Riley Green fouled a ball off his foot and Mize and Manning are out, it's still better. You know, and uh, when was the last time they had a 10th-round pick like Tarek Scooble do what he did today? Or Bo Brisky go into Houston, a 27th-round pick in L.A. and pitch the way he did and be in the top 35% on fastball velocity and, and top 20 in spin rate? Well, in another one of those trades, you know, the Shane Green trade, you're going to see Joey Wentz tomorrow or Wednesday. Right, he had um, Tommy John. He has a chance. But were- that's, that's one trade that could end up working out. Um, an- another call that I get quite often, and it irritates me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit that I am a fan of Miguel Cabrera, and I think he deserved the contract that he got because you paid him for what he did and what he was going to do with those accomplishments. People are now saying, DFA the guy. Get him out of here. And I say that's maybe one of the dumbest things you could do during the season. A, because what veteran's going to want to come here when you do that to your all-star, your everything, Miguel Cabrera? Right. And I don't know what he is preventing from being here right now is my question. Nothing, nothing. You know, look, he, he can't. he's not the hitter he was. No, it not t- at all. It took him a long time to get to that 600 double. Huh. <laughs> it was like, it, you know, he's kind of stuck there on 599 for a while. But if you look at among their hitters right now, he's, he's like one of their better ones. Yeah, he had a two-run hit the other day. You know, he's, you know, he hasn't hit with any power, but he's still got a couple home runs. I mean, that's better than a lot of their dudes have. And I guess my thing is, like I said, and people, some people criticize me saying he's not preventing anything. What else are you going to do? And you're paying $30 million for a guy that hits singles. You're paying that money, which means nothing to you and iPad or any other fan. You're paying him for what he did up until this point, right? Yeah. He's not... He's not the reason that you're not winning right now. Well, I would say that that would be the case if he were blocking somebody. Sure. All right. He was in the way of and uh, I'm playing first. I don't want anybody else. Blah blah blah. Oh yeah. Or but he's DHing. So and I don't see some DH that is preventing them. Now you can make a case. Maybe they should have gone out and signed a DH and DFA'd Miggy and paid him off sixty four million dollars. You know, and then he doesn't get his 3,000 hit here. Or you can be like, uh, you know, totally disrespect, uh, you know, this guy's place in the game by, hey, you got your 500th home run, you got your 3,000th hit. You know, everybody got all excited and had fun, but see you later, man. You're useless. So that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with certainly with uh, Al Avila, who's integral to his signing in professional baseball uh, yeah. coming out of the gate, or A.J. Hinch, a manager who understands and respects Miggy's place in the game. 100%. So and that's just a crazy, crazy call to me because. Well, you'll get one saying, hey, oh, you, oh, you should tell Pat on that stupid podcast. I'm going to bust his balls because Cody Clemens should be the DH of this team based on what he said. Okay, but. I mean, you're no. going to compare one of the game's greatest hitters that we have ever seen to a guy that has never seen one pitch of major league pitching. No, I mean, Cody Clements hasn't exactly torn up minor league baseball either, all right? No, it's not okay. like he's down there like Wander Franco, and you're like, we need this guy up right here, right now. You know, the, the I, I've said this a million times. It, it, Riley Green is a very important player to them. 
and his injury was highly, highly significant. But it's not the reason they have this incredibly awful record. That's not why they're nine and twenty-two. Well, no. If he were on the team, he would have a couple more wins, maybe. Sure. And let let's also be honest that Riley Green gets up what once every three innings up to the bat. Right. And, well, he helps him defensively. Yeah, but. There, I wouldn't even say that the outfield has cost them that many. It has. Um, has it? I'll say it. That outfield stinks defensively. Well, last or it night, has. It has. I mean, even Monday night, Austin Meadows in right field, that ball that he played and just ran into the wall. And I don't know what happened to Robbie Grossman out there. But, okay, so does that kind of happen with, okay, so we said last year's Tigers overachieved, right, with wins basically – um, what people expected them to do. Yeah. And then you wanted, when I say you, I mean the fans, wanted that overachieving team to yet again overachieve even more. But they're a better team. Uh, sure. They added a Javier Baez, a 4-5 war player. He's yeah. playing well defensively, which is important. He's had some hits for him. Um, you have uh, Meadows, who's you know an upgrade from what they were doing last year. And, uh, but it, so, uh, and uh, theoretically anyway, and probably ultimately the catching situation defensively will be better with Barnhart than what they were doing last year with, you know, the four different catchers they use. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the rest of the team, it's just been terrible. Guys who did well. Why would Scope all of a sudden fall off? He's not old. He's not past his prime. No, I know people question his body type and things like that, that he's going to get old sooner. But it's a hitting tool that's been killing him. But why would why would Candel, Candelario be, you know, so feeble for long, you know, that way? What happened to Eric Haas? What's the difference? You know, they, they're not pitching him, you know, in any kind of different way. That was a big sample size when he hit those home runs. You know, that's, what happened with Badu? What, you know, what, that's the crazy one to me. You know, what happened? I and this isn't a pitching issue. They're, you know, it's not where they've missed Mize and Manning. No, not at all, because everybody that's come in has pitched fairly well. I, I mean, mean Fiedo, look who at P- we've waited for years and years since he was drafted out of Florida to come up, he's pitched pretty well. Prisky, uh, Pineda. Willie Peralta's dealing at 97. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Tyler Alexander hasn't been good. And, you know, and their bullpen's been good, except when they really need their bullpen. And then all of a sudden, they get flame out. Yeah, all of a sudden, Hutchinson's throwing it to center field. and Oh, yeah, right. well, Fulmer's, you know, walking a run in and giving up a cookie pitch to Michael Brantley. And Soto throws eight straight balls to start an inning. So, with the poor play defensively, do you think A.J. Hinch deserves any blame at all? No, look, A.J. Hinch is the same manager that fans thought was like a faith healer. Yes. Like he was uh, Benny Hahn. Remember Benny Hahn? Like the, he puts his hands on people. Um, uh, I, can't, I can't move my arms. I haven't moved my arms for 20 years. And they thought he was like that. He put his hand on Eric Haas. And Eric Haas like, I, I can't hit major league pitch. I, I hit 20 home runs. Right. You're going to hit 20 home runs. And then he collapses. Thank you. It's the same with the kill Badu. You're a Class A player, Rule Five. I'm put my hands on you, and you're you're gonna rake, you know. And it, but this year there was no miracle. So all of a sudden, you know, it's the same thing. It's like with Al. It's like Al, Al, Al found those guys. Rule Five draft. He picked up the DFA. Well, yeah, he was getting tons of credit for Haas, Haas and Badu, and um, and now Cisneros, who's hurt. Yeah, and like. You're now going to criticize them 
for the same exact thing that you were giving them credit for. Well, he went out and spent a bunch of money on guys who've come in that are real players, man. They're yeah. not maybes. They're proven players. Bias, uh, Scope, and Barnard, oh, when and Eduardo Rodriguez, Meadows, and Austin Meadows. Everybody's acting like he is Yeah, they the added five guys. GM ever. Yeah. Way to be aggressive. Way to go out there and do this thing. And... Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, I mean, people are, you know, I get, this is a call I get or ticket text, you know, I'm like three people that you know what it's like. It's like, oh, you're soft on the Tigers and you're soft on Avila and Illich. And I got to tell you, man, if I thought that they really deserved to be skewered, Evan, you know me well enough, 100%. I would skewer them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, it, sometimes I, you know, it, I don't go with the party line or what the narrative is. And I said before the start of the year, this looks almost too good to be true. That was my narrative because it looked like it was really coming together. Yeah. And it, it turned out that way. But I honestly, I don't, I don't look at a bunch of signings. I would be hypocritical if I said I really didn't like the signings that Al made in the offseason because they're pretty good signings. And those guys, you know, they're, they spent money. You know, people were sitting there, oh, spend, they spent money. They spent a ton of money. So you're going to tell me if Baez was on Minnesota and Correa was on the Tigers, there are two teams that have different well, records. And, and, and that's, that's a, a stupid type of stuff that people say. And that's another thing, too, is that everybody else, they wanted them not to only get Baez, but then also go get Carlos Correa, right? Go and do that, too. What would that have changed this year? Other than you would have said, look at that dumb blank at Avila going and spending all this money on two shortstops that are underperforming. He would have then been criticized for that during the year. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Then I think we should talk about the farm system because I've heard it get ripped now. Because they don't have somebody to call up that's a magic pill. But how many teams do, Pat? Around Major League Baseball, right now, how many teams can go and say, I'm going to go down to AAA and I'm going to get a guy that's Major League ready that's going to contribute right here, right now, and turning our losing team into a winning team. Now, some there's some guys you could say that about, but there are guys that are already in the major leagues. The Green was going to make the team, and he got hurt. Yeah. And Torkelson, they put him up in the major leagues, which people would have been so upset if they didn't. And, uh, you know, he's come up here. But the thing is, I don't know what he had learned down there. He has to learn how to hit major league pitching. I know he can hit, uh, you know, the uh, AAA type of uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, that. You know, but the bigger stuff, the real good stuff's a little bit different. And I think he's getting a, a wake-up caller. Casey Mines got a couple years ago when he tried to throw a splitter over and over again. Wasn't a magic bean. You know, they just looked at that and said. <laughs> so do you think they write the ship this year? When I mean write the ship. Well, some of these guys, you know, again? I mean, if you if you play Jonathan Scope every day, he's not going to hit 120 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, – that at some point Riley Green's going to come back and that'll help him. Uh, but he's going to have to get back into, you know, where he's uh, player ready. You know, oh, it's yeah. kind of like the thing with Jamison Williams. You know, people with the Lions, they get a lot of calls. They love that. I've been over and over and over again with fans on it. Oh, you, you SOB, you're lying, hating. I'm like, look, it's not that. I'll be the same guy. I'll be defending him when some of these other rookies are great and he can't get on the field yet because he's got an ACL and people will be judging what the Lions did when they're like 2-14 and 14 or something. Let me just take a moment. Did you ever think, because when you wrote about the draft, I know this is not baseball, but you wrote about the NFL yeah, draft. Yeah, but it's about drafts, what we do. And, right? and people were, why is Pat being negative? You hater. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 
When did the Lions start getting the benefit of the doubt All right, with they, anything? They get they get the benefit of the doubt on draft year. I've been through this so many times. I know never to this degree because it was never, you know, uh, trading up to 12. And uh, it wasn't a new GM that people like, you know. Although that's happened a couple times during the Bob Quinn era where people thought he was a happened. miracle man. I mean, everybody was so pumped when they got Matt. All, all I, all, all I, look, Quinn. it may work out, but, you know, it will. But it's like they do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, just, same type of thing. The fans react the same way. I mean, even Stoney. I'm on TV with Stoney, right? Yeah. And Stoney goes, oh, a different, different, different GM. Okay, that's the first argument he has for it. Okay, Stoney, that's really good. And then the second one, he goes, he goes, I, I like to being aggressive for once. And I'm like, they're aggressive like that all the time, man. How many times they trade up for running backs, draft tight ends in the top ten, mm-hmm. or take wide receivers? And I, I point out something. Well, Calvin Johnson, they were uh, they people hate this number. They'll never quote it, but I'll quote it all the time. They were forty nine and eighty six in games he played for the Lions. Mm-hmm. So and he's you know first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver. So a wide receiver can have great impact if you got a good team. If you don't have a good team, it's like putting a hood ornament on a 73 Pinto. I've said that over and over again. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's exactly what it is. You know, they touch the ball six times a game. So, yeah, Jamar Chase was really good because he had Burrow and Higgins and Boyd and Mixon. And, he went to a ready-made team. That right. And that one guy on the outside to really put him over that top. Right. And, they have, and their defense coordinator works some miracles, and they drafted well. Yeah. And they built their team, and they got the right coach at the right time. It's just I, I wanted to ask you about that because I'm like, well, what I mean, world I, am I living in nowadays that giving that saying anything that might not be 100% positive Lions are going to the Super Bowl, that you're getting criticized for not giving them the benefit of I the told doubt. about Javid Best. I followed him really close when he played at Cal. He was this Cal State sprint champ. Oh, yeah. So I followed him at Cal. For some reason, I followed Cal a lot. I went to a Cal game with an old radio buddy of mine named John Bloom. Jamie and I used to always talk about Cal. So, you know, I followed Cal. So I watched, used to watch him and this thing. So when they got him, I knew what they were getting. They were getting a slender running back who uh, had a concussion issue. But also, he would start out each year, man, like gangbusters, and he'd get dinged up even when he was playing. He yep. would suddenly wouldn't be the same. And I'm like, hey, this is what you're getting. And people just got so mad at me. And then when he started out well, it was like, you know, it's not – and I, I hope James – I think uh, William's a good player, and he may be a spectacular player. Yeah, it may work out. But, it, you know, come on, if I'm pointing out all these different things, and I didn't get any pushback on it that made any sense at all. No, none at all. None at all. I mean, zero sense. Well, And I, I like the one where it's like, a wide receiver, uh, it's taking over the game, you know, because all these wide receivers are signing with these other teams. Oh, they're signing with these other teams? Uh, yeah, well, why are the other teams letting them go? Do they let the left tackle go? Do they let the edge rusher go? No, because they can replace them. Do they ever let the uh, quarterback go? I mean, and by the way, if anything, Brad Holmes showed you that you can get a receiver later than number 12 overall. Well, that's the other thing. If you look at the top receivers in the league. I'm pretty sure all these guys are getting this big money. Tyreek Hill, that's not a first-round guy. Oh, there there were more. Debo Samuel. There were 10 receivers in the league last year. They caught 100 or more passes. There were more taken in the fifth round than the first round. Tyree Kill, Hunter Renfro, all right, and uh, Stephon Diggs. Remember him at Maryland? 
Well, you remember Renfro at Clemson. At Clemson, like yeah. He was there for 12 he years. He caught the big pass from Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. yeah, it was like he was there 12 years. And the two uh, first-rounders were Justin Jefferson, right? He was a real good player, but Very they were good. below 500. And the other one was uh, uh, Waddle uh, with Miami. He had a great year, and they were barely above 500. Yeah. All right, and they fired their coach. And, uh, you know, controversially, and their, the top not round was three. Because Cooper Cup was a third round pick, uh, you had uh, uh, Keenan like- Allen a third round pick. Andrews, the one tight end that was in there, was a third round pick. Well, look at Michael Thomas that two years ago, right? All those records, he was not a first round guy. And Evan, if you go down lower than beyond a hundred, it's still like that. Uh, I know. So hey. you know, I mean, you can't bring out facts. No, you can't. And and I guess my whole point is. Because you say something that isn't overly positive or isn't trying to spit shine a turd doesn't mean that you, <laughs> me, anybody is rooting against the Lions, the Tigers, the Pistons, the Red Wings. Because I'm pretty sure you and me will be super happy if any of these teams win. Oh, the absolutely. I was born in 1983. I have not seen the Tigers win a World Series. Save me with 1984. There's nothing more that would make me happy than seeing the Tigers win a World Series. Well, what you were doing when the Tigers are winning the World Series is the same thing the Lions have done for many years. Poop you my pants. Pooping the diaper there, but <laughs> But yeah. So <laughs> No, I mean it's you know, it's like uh, you know, and I promise you, man, and you're like this, you know me, I know you, okay? You listen to this podcast, I'm gonna tell you what I think, whether it's what you, you wanna hear. Yeah, sometimes it will be because I, you know, I agree, and I'm not always right. I thought the Tigers would be better this year, sure. but I, I'll say this, you know, in in you know, just and one thing to think about, and you can say what you know. I've been doing uh, baseball covering since '84, since you were one years old, okay. Uh, so, and I was on the beat as early as '86, and I and I covered that organization for Baseball America for two decades. And I still follow the minor leagues. People know that their system's in better shape in their analytics department than it's ever been. All right, so that part of it has been cleaned up. They've spent the money on it. They've got the people in there, and they actually got the manager who can facilitate that. They've done that, so that's a big plus for them. Now, whether it's going to pay off in a World Series championship, I don't know. They did sign players this year that made sense for them. Yeah, they did spend money. All right. Now, is there any excuse for the way they're playing? Zero. All right? It's awful. It's disappointing. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Is it good for Al? No. Is it good for A.J. Hinch? No. You know how people like, you got to sign him to a long-term deal. The only reason somebody would want to sign him and he'd have a chance to leave here is if he wins. So his star is going to fade if he doesn't win. But I, I think he's a great manager. Yeah. And I think Al has done the things that he could do. And also, All right, you know, we under circumstances that were bad. Al adjusted to what he had to do. And Chris Illich, their plan isn't a bad plan. Now, you can get mad at me about it, and he should be upset about the way that team's playing, but I, I'm not going to go and just, you know, criticize. I mean, it's the same with the Lions last year. Dan Campbell did a real good job the second half of last year. Sure, but And it was because he was smart. Games. And Yeah, right. So, you know, they got to weather the storm. And, you know, I trust Brad Holmes. I don't yet. No, not and yet. I, I, and I'm not saying Al's going to get over the top here or whatever. This is a setback. Well, and, and so I guess the last thing I want to say is because you brought up A.J. Hinch and people saying sign him to an extension. 
If this is just from an outsider looking in, I don't have any information on this. But if I were A.J. Hinch, I wouldn't sign an extension right now because you're right. If if he does show that he can turn the ship around, he does have an opt-out after this year, and he can control his own destiny, right? Right. So if I'm him, I wouldn't sign a long-term extension right this moment. But if he believes in the team, I think he will at the end of the year sign that extension. So that's the only thing that I would say to that, but I agree with you, Pat. It's very disappointing. It's hard. It's hard to watch right now. It's oh, it's brutal. It's but, brutal. It is. And then the other night when the ump was blowing those calls, yeah, between him and the Tigers, uh, you know, I didn't throw my shoe at my TV. You know, I, I don't think they would appreciate me breaking one of the monitors in here. <laughs> but but I, mean, uh, they I was still tempted. Only had four hits that game. Yeah. It's brutal. So, I mean, if an ump's missing six calls throughout the game, you still need to hit the baseball. Oh, I mean, it's just, you know, that's the thing, you know, I felt because I really felt we had to have a discussion that night about the umpiring. Yeah. That and the Angel Hernandez thing and the thing with Madison Bumgarner where the ump was looking at oh, his hand. Yeah. That was bizarre. Uh, between all that, you know, I thought we, but I, I, I got to tell you, there's no excuse for the way the Tigers are playing. So, but anyway, enjoy the conversation. Don't forget, you can uh, find us the Google, uh, Google Play, Play Store, uh, uh, iTunes, iTunes, and Spotify. Spotify that is new, so that is great. And of course, our Odyssey app. Just search "Bustin' Balls" or even 971theticket.com. Click on the podcast tab, and you'll find all of our episodes right there. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you listening very much. Till next time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.